What's up, TLR fam? How are we feeling tonight? Y'all good? Everybody doing all right? Hey, welcome to the living room, and thank you, band, for leading us so strong as usual. That was so awesome. Hey, if we've never met before, my name is Matt. I get to lead the living room here at Buckhead Church with an incredible team. Waving to you two, man. What's up? Um, and, and anybody shocked? I know we've already mentioned it, like best set up top, but anybody else just like, you, 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 you're kind of shook at the fact that it's October 1st. Like, anybody? Okay, yeah. Like, I woke up this morning, and I'm like, yo, it's 10-1. This is crazy to me. Like, I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Over the weekend, um, I was at Lowe's, which just feels good saying that. Like, I feel grown and more manly when I say that, that I was at Lowe's over the weekend. But, but I was. I was at Lowe's over the weekend, just like getting saws and stuff like that. I wouldn't get any of that. I was getting bags for my leaves. Um, but I was at Lowe's over the weekend, and they have a whole section already dedicated to Christmas stuff. Like, there's lights. Some of y'all are cheering about that. I'm not cheering about that. I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's fake trees in there. Well, that, that's another conversation for another night, the fake tree. Real, I'm not down for the fake trees, but it's all good if you are. We still love you. But it's just crazy. And, and I think what hit me so hard is that, guys, Christmas is less than three months away. Okay? So, like, insane, insane. But anyways, that had nothing to do with anything we're talking about tonight, um, but I just needed to get it off my chest and see if you guys felt the same way. But I did want to give you a couple updates for some things that are coming up in October, the next couple weeks. Uh, first thing is that next Monday, October 8th, we are not meeting, so there's no TLR next Monday night, which I know is a bummer. Um, but the reason that we're not meeting next Monday is because for many of you, it's fall break. Um, for all of you, there's tests and midterms, so we thought it'd be a really good idea um, to just give you some time off, um, to give you the week off. Some of you are shaking your head. I'm sorry, it's happening. We're not meeting next Monday. Um, but here's what we want you to do. Here's the challenge. Look, like we really do believe this. We want you to take advantage of the extra few hours that you have on Monday night now. We want you to study. We want you to catch up, maybe even rest, sleep. Hello, that's a word that college students don't know about. Like get some sleep. We'd love for you to do that. So no meeting next Monday, October 8th. But on Monday, October 15th, we're coming back. And when I say we're coming back, I mean like we coming back, okay? We're having a house party at the living room, the first one we've ever had. It's going to be an awesome night. If you're expecting kind of a normal TLR, then I'm just going to let you know you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to be like a normal TLR vibe. It will a little bit, but not totally. It's going to be more of a party feel and uh, it's going to be awesome. I think all of you need to be here, and it's a great opportunity to invite your friends. We'll figure out the seating. I don't know how, um, but we'll figure it out. Um, but it's a great week to bring your friends, maybe that friend who you've been trying to get all semester long, the friend who's never been to the living room, say, hey, come. It's going to be an awesome night. Last thing I'll tell you about this night before we move forward is that we're having wings for dinner. So we're bringing back wing night, which is awesome. So it's going to be amazing. House party at the living room, Monday, October 15th. You don't want to miss it. But back to tonight, back to tonight. I wanted to start off tonight by asking you guys a question, and it's this. What is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. I knew someone was going to do it. But seriously, I feel confident that if I were to go around the room and give all of you a note card, I'm not going to do this, it'd take way too long, but if I were to go around the room and give all of you a note card and said, hey, I want you to take just the next minute or two and write out your best definition of love, I feel like we could come to, to a pretty clear you know, explanation of like, this is kind of what love is, but isn't it true? Like love is one of those things that's kind of hard to put into words. Like it's one of those things that you know it when you see it. 
it's kind of challenging to like narrow down love into just a sentence or two, but you know it when you experience it. Uh, we have any movie people in the room tonight? Any of you? Okay, a lot of you like movies. I wouldn't say that I'm like a movie guy, um, but I enjoy a good movie every now and then. And maybe some of you, when you think about this question, what is love? Maybe your mind goes to like some scenes in a movie. So I, I was thinking about some movies this week, and the first movie that, that comes to mind for me, um, this is a judgment-free zone, especially fellas, like I need you to back me up on this, all right, we got to stick together. It's The Notebook, okay? Yeah, The Notebook. And look, I hadn't seen The Notebook until like two or three years ago, and I watched it with Anne, and I'm not going to lie to you, like I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate it, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. But there's this scene in the notebook that I, that I kept thinking about this week, and it's this scene of, I could be getting the names wrong, I haven't seen it since then, I only watched it once, but it's, it's Noah and Allie, right? Those are the two main characters, yeah. And like Noah and Allie fall for each other early on, and you're like, oh my, this is amazing. And then something happens, and like they have to move away, and so they don't, like they lose touch for a long time, and Allie apparently falls in love with this other guy, but you're like, that, come on, that's not going to work out. Like she and Noah are perfect for one another. And then there's this scene where I'm really, I don't know if the details are going to be right on this, but like I think Noah's rowing in a boat or something. Not sure why he's doing that. Some of you are giving me the head nod. Thank you. Um, And and Allie's like on the dock and and Allie's yelling at him and she's yelling really loudly because of course it's raining because everything is more dramatic in the rain. And so Allie is like, why did you like not come for me or something like that? Like all emotional. And the girl in the room's like, yeah, Noah, why didn't you? You know? And then Noah shouts back, like he kind of stands there in disgust for a minute. He's like, I wrote you every day for a year, my job, you know? And then next thing you know, something happens and they sprint to each other and they're hugging and making out in the rain, all right? And you're just like, wow, what a moment, you know, that's love. That is love, y'all. And here's the thing. I'm not speaking from experience. I don't know. I've never made out with Anne in the rain. Um, I don't really want to. I'm kind of like a practical person. So I start thinking about like rain is cold and um, and, like it's uncomfortable. What about your cell phone? Like your cell phone's getting soaking wet in that point. Your wallet, like you don't have any umbrellas. Just they're not wearing rain jackets. This is not a good idea. But anyways, anyways, moving on. Um, Maybe you think about the notebook when you think about the question, what is love? Maybe you're like, no, no, I'm thinking about a different movie. Like the best movie ever made. Um, Of course, I'm referring to Remember the Titans, okay? Um, At least a top five film. Um, Has anyone in the room, just curious, not trying to call you out, but has anyone in the room never seen Remember the Titans before? Oh, I'll see y'all next week. Listen, if you've never seen Remember the Titans, I don't know what to tell you, but but, like send me a Venmo request and I'll buy it for you. Don't, Don't do that, but... You have to see Remember the Titans. I'm probably about to spoil the movie for you, but that's on you, bro, because like you should have seen it by now. Um, so there's this scene in Remember the Titans where like the team is starting to come together. They're starting to vibe. You can feel it. Momentum is building. And then the two captains on the team, Gary Bertier and Julius Campbell, they come together. And Gary looks at Julius and he's like, Julius, left side. And there's, chill. Let me finish. Let me finish the line. <laughs> And Julius is like, strong side, left side, strong side. And it builds up and the team comes in and you're like, oh my gosh, bro, that's love right there. Like that is a picture 
of love. But maybe you're in the room and you're like, listen, I'm not like a movie guy. I have better things to do with my life. Like I don't waste my time on movies and Netflix and TV and stuff like that. Maybe you're more of a realist and like you're like, I'm into to real life type stuff, man. And that I'm with you. Like a couple weeks ago, I had this moment and I came home and it was like, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, okay, what's up? And she's like, you know those Jordan Retro 11s you've been wanting for a while? I want you to buy them tonight. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, don't, don't play. And she's like, go get them. Yo, I got them. And I'm like, girl, I love you. Like, this is love. This is love. Or the last example I'll give. And I don't know if you've ever seen this. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But I think this is going to capture the entire crowd. Because if you have seen this or experienced this, or if you can just imagine with me, if tomorrow morning... You wake up, and you're going to class, and you're running a little bit late, so you're kind of in a hurry. And, of course, there's probably other people, other students on campus in the same predicament, and they're kind of running late and in a hurry, too. And you see this person going, like, in the same direction that you're going in, going towards the same object that you're going towards, which is a bird scooter, and like, or a lime scooter, whichever one you want. And, and they beat you to that scooter by, like, five seconds. And you're like, oh. There's no other birds in the area. Now I'm going to be late to class. I got to run to class or like take the bus. This is crazy. And that person's like, hey, 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 hold up, hold up. I want to give up my bird for you. Take the bird. It's yours. Like some of you fellas in the room, you're like, hey, I'm going to use that. Like that's, that's a pickup line right there. But you in that moment would be like, that is love. Like you're going to give up your bird for me. I cannot believe that you're going to do that. And here's the reality. Tonight, we could go on and on and on about things that we think, man, that's love. Like, I've seen that. I've experienced that. Or, like, this would be my best definition of love. But tonight, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about a love that I think takes love to a whole nother level. I think it's a love that has the power to radically change your life forever. It's a love that has changed my life. It's a love that I know has changed many of your lives already. It's a powerful, powerful love. We, we've been in the series the past few weeks called Scandalous, and it's really just a series where we're taking an honest look at the life of Jesus. And the challenge that we've laid on the table since the very first week is would you just be willing to look at Jesus, take a real honest, authentic look at Jesus, and then would you allow that to lead you wherever it leads you from there? And so in the first week, we talked about scandalous Savior and how Jesus is a scandalous Savior because he not only claims to be God, but he claims to associate himself with sinners. Like, who would do this? And then in part two, we talked about scandalous grace, and we looked at the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery and how the people wanted to throw stones at this woman, but Jesus wasn't ready to throw stones. He was ready to extend grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, scandalous grace. And then last week in part three, Beth did an awesome job talking about scandalous worth. And she talked about how upholding the dignity of an individual began with Jesus, but it continues with us. And tonight we're going to wrap it up, wrap scandalous up in part four, and I'm super excited about that. But before we dive in, I need to set up some context for you for where we're going to pick it up at in the life of Jesus. Because up to this point, Jesus had been traveling from town to town, city to city, place to place, doing amazing things. Like, he had been healing people, he was teaching people, like, he was changing the game, and and crowds were following, the movement was growing, and it seemed like everything was going right, everything was going just as planned. But then all of a sudden, stuff hits the fan. 
And you know what I'm talking about, right? Like when stuff hits the fan, maybe you've experienced that in your own life where you're like, for a few months, things are going great. You're like, man, this is awesome. I wasn't even expecting this. Like all this stuff is just falling into place and working out. And the next thing you know, boom, you're like, oh, where did that come from? This is what happens to Jesus. He's been caught. He's arrested and he's standing before trial in front of Pilate. Pilate's the governor of Rome. And this is where we pick it up in Luke chapter 25 or 23, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. Keep going. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. Keep reading. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. We finished the verse here. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. So the people bring Jesus to Pilate and they think they've got him and they're, they're telling all these accusations and things that they're like, Jesus has done this, he's done that. And Pilate's hearing them out. And then Pilate starts to ask some questions to Jesus. And Pilate comes to the conclusion that he's like, hey, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Like I hear everything that you're saying, but like, I don't see it. Like, I think he's innocent. So Pilate's like, I don't really know what to do. So Pilate's like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to send you Jesus um, to, to another guy. He finds out that Jesus is a Galilean. So he's like, I'm going to send you to another jurisdiction. You're going to go see King Herod and you're going to be put on trial in front of King Herod. So King Herod gets news of this, that Jesus is coming and he's going to be on trial in front of him. And King Herod is like kind of excited about this because he had heard all of these things for so long about Jesus, the things he'd been doing and saying and all the miracles that had been happening and how the crowds were following him everywhere. And so King Herod is like, finally, I'm going to get to meet this Jesus face to face. So Jesus travels and he's in front of King Herod on trial. And it's a very similar process to what we just read here with Pilate. And King Herod ultimately comes to the same conclusion that Pilate came to. He's like, hey, I find no basis for a charge against you. I find you to be innocent. And so King Herod is like, I don't really know what you want me to do. I'm just going to send you on back to Pilate. Like, just go back where you came from. Go back to Pilate. And so he goes back to Pilate. And I'm sure Pilate is kind of feeling like, okay, what do I do now? Like, my mind hasn't changed. Like, Herod, I thought you were going to bail me out there, bro. That didn't happen. And so now he's just kind of thinking like, uh, uh, I guess I'll ask you some more questions. But then Pilate gets it. He's like, okay, here's what, here's what we'll do. We'll punish Jesus, and then we'll release him. Like, I find no basis for a charge, definitely not a charge that's like severe and severe of death, of the death penalty, like for sure not that. So Pilate's like, we'll just punish Jesus, and then we'll release him. And so he feels confident about that. And so he goes and he brings that message to the people. He shares this message with the crowd. He says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to punish Jesus, then we're going to release him. And this is the crowd's response. Check this out. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Keep that name Barabbas in mind. Barabbas is a bad dude. He deserved to be where he was. Release Barabbas to us. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So for the third time, he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I'll have him punished and then release him to you. But with loud shouts, they insistently demand that he be crucified 
and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate doesn't understand. He's like, I don't, I don't know how to make it any more clear. Like, you're not understanding me here. I find no basis for a charge. And you want him to have the death penalty. And like, I don't even find a basis for any type of penalty. And so Pilate keeps trying and trying, and he's saying it all different ways. And finally, the shouts prevail, and the people are like, crucify him, crucify Jesus. We want Barabbas. Give us Barabbas and crucify, kill Jesus. And so the crowd, their shouts ultimately prevail. And this is the decision that Pilate's forced to make. Release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. Barabbas, Barabbas is a known murderer. He's a thief. He's a rebel. He was like a, a terrible person in this time. And we have no record that Barabbas showed any type of remorse or regret. Like there's, it's almost like he had no conscience. He didn't care. It was like that he was proud to be sitting in the seat. And he felt like, yeah, I've done these things and I'd probably keep doing them if I could. And he walks. But Jesus, what, what has Jesus done to deserve to be in this position? All Jesus has done is go around and restore people and heal people and open the eyes of the blind and present truth to people and defend people and extend scandalous worth and dignity to people. This is what Jesus has done. But the crowd says, no, we want Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. And so Barabbas walks free. And it doesn't say what happened after that to Barabbas, but it's just my opinion that Barabbas walked and he never turned back. He never thought again about Jesus and he probably returned to the same lifestyle that he had been living. And see, the people thought that Barabbas was released because of them, but it wasn't the people that released Barabbas. It was the love of the father. It was God's love. God said, Barabbas, I love you. I love you so much, I'm gonna send my son Jesus to take your place, to take your penalty. And we read this story, I read this story, and honestly, it's pretty frustrating. Like, can you imagine if this was happening today in 2018, can you imagine the headlines we'd be seeing? A murderer walks, Jesus is put in his place. This is scandalous. Like, this is a scandal to the max. There's no explaining this. And I become frustrated when I read this. And I think this is, this is unjust. Like this isn't right. Barabbas needs to be there. Like well, how, how confused can these people be? This is crazy. And there's a part of me that starts to like develop some, some anger and almost some hate towards Barabbas and even the people that were on his side. But can I just be real with you tonight and, and tell you this? Barabbas is me. Barabbas is you. Barabbas is us. See, see, we're Barabbas tonight. And Jesus is saying, hey, maybe you're not like a murderer. Maybe you're not a thief. Maybe you're not a rebel. Maybe you're like, I haven't even done anything really that bad at all. Like I've never been grounded, you know? Uh, like that's, I, I mean, the worst thing I've done is like one time, like I stole my brother's, you know, lunch. I don't, I don't know what you've done, but, but all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. And because of that, God says, I love you so much that I'm gonna send my son Jesus to die for you. He's gonna take your place. He's gonna take your punishment that you rightfully deserve. In fact, look what Paul writes in Romans chapter five, verse eight. Check this out. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For while you're sitting in your seat tonight and you're broken and you're messed up and you're a sinner, Christ died for you. God sent Jesus to die for you. And that is good news, but, but in and of itself, it's not great news. Like if this was the end of the story that Christ came and he died for us and, and he, that's all he did, then it's like, oh, that's cool. Like that's a, a big act of love. That's scandalous love, Jesus. But, but what makes this good news that Jesus died for us is that this is not the end of the story. So Jesus is crucified in the worst way possible on a cross. It's the worst way you could die in this time period. And he's put into a tomb and there's a stone rolled in front of him. And three days later, there's these two women who were going in and they were grieving. They were close followers of Jesus. And so they didn't know what else to do. And so they're going back just to maybe give their final condolences. I don't really know. But as they're on their way to the tomb where Jesus is, there's this violent earthquake that happens. And it says that after the earthquake, the women look up and they see that the stone in front of Jesus' tomb has been rolled away and there's an angel chilling on top of the stone. Like there's just an angel posted up there. And you could imagine like these girls in this moment must've been like, yo, Mary, like what'd you put in my drink this morning? Like, this is crazy. Are you seeing this? Like, this is unbelievable. And she's like, no, I, I, I'm telling you, it was, it was orange juice. I see it too. Like, this is crazy. And this is what the angel says to these two women, look at this. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. The angel's like, hey, hey, don't be afraid. I know you're terrified right now. I would be too, um, but calm down, calm down. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but hey, remember what he said? Like, he's not here, he's risen just as he said he would. And come and see the place where he lay. See, I think oftentimes we think that the stone was rolled away from the tomb so that Jesus could come out. But no, the stone was rolled away so that we could come and see. So that we could come and see that the tomb is indeed empty. That Jesus did what he said he was going to do, that he's alive, that he's our living hope, that he defeated our sin, that he conquered the grave once and for all stone was rolled away so that we could come and see. See, our sin was great. Our sin is great, but the death and resurrection of Jesus is just a little bit greater. Let me say it another way. Jesus is a greater savior than I am a sinner. And you need to know this tonight because maybe right now what you're thinking is, okay, I hear all this. This is good news. That's awesome. But for me, I know the sin that I have in my life. And maybe you're thinking, I know the sin that like, I'm gonna commit down the road because all of us at times, like we'll do things and we know this is a sin, but we want to do it anyways. And so like, we're gonna choose to do it. Like all of us would be like, yeah, there's gonna be some moments where like, I'm just gonna choose sin. I know it's wrong and I'm still gonna choose it. And so where does that lead me? You know where it leaves you? Right here. Jesus is a greater savior than I am a sinner. And maybe you need to keep reminding yourself of this over and over and over again. And when you feel beat down and ashamed and guilty and you feel like there's no hope for you, you need to, see, to tell yourself, hey, Jesus is a greater savior than I am a sinner. He's a greater savior than you are a sinner. The cross and the empty tomb is proof. 
But this isn't even where the story is. What's even more crazy is what happens next when the news gets back to the chief priests, the ones who are like pushing this forward and and the ones who are leading the rebellion against Jesus and trying to get him killed in the first place. And check out what happens here in Matthew chapter 23. It says, while the women were on their way, so these two women who had just seen the empty tomb, they're on their way to like go tell people what they've seen. And they're like, this is amazing. Like you guys need to know that Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty. This is, this is awesome. And it says, while they were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. Pause right there. Can you imagine this conversation? Like it doesn't tell us exactly how this goes down, But if you would, just give me the liberty for a moment. I would love just to like imagine if we're these two guards. Like let's say there's one guard named named Mark and the other one's named Matt. And they're like, hey, bro, listen, okay, we've messed up. Like we're in a situation here. Uh, So Mark, listen, we got to get our story straight, bro, because we're about to be in front of like these chief priests and and we we can't be messing up or like we're done. Like we're going to jail. It might even be worse than that. So Mark, what's going to happen is um, I need you um, to stick to the story that last night, um, we got hungry. And so we decided uh, Uber Eats wasn't an option because like we're out in the woods, you know, in front of this tomb, that's not gonna happen. So we, we, we drove away a little bit and we went and got some food. We, we went to Jimmy John's because they're freaky fast. And so we could get back real quick. And so they go and like, they get in front of these guys and they start sharing this and they're like, yo, yeah, that's what happened. And like, we went to Jimmy John's, we were gone for 15 minutes and we came back and like, he's gone. He's gone, we, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know what happened from there. Not our fault though, like, it, it probably didn't go like that, but, but it might have went something like that where these guards are like reporting to these chief priests what had happened. I'm sure they had some type of story that fit their context, not Jimmy John's, but whatever it was at that point. And they're sharing this and look at the response of the chief priest. This is amazing. This is when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them this. You are to say, His disciples, Jesus' closest followers, came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Wow. Honestly, I hadn't even picked up on this until like a few weeks ago. This is the greatest cover-up in history. Like it's the worst cover-up in history, but it's the greatest, biggest cover-up in history. This is the biggest scandal you could ever imagine. The, the greatest news ever, that Jesus is alive. He's conquered death. He is who he says he is. And these chief priests tell these guys, they're like, hey, here's the story we're sticking to. His disciples stole the body. And it says this story has been circulated to this very day. The greatest cover-up ever people are like, what happened to Jesus? Oh, his body was stolen. Yeah, that's right. That's the word on the street. And if we could, as we begin to close, I just want to be so bold to to challenge some of you in the room tonight. And I want to start with the believer in the room. So this is for the person who you, at some point in your life, you placed your faith and trust in the risen Jesus. And like you're following him, you have a relationship with him. You're not perfect, but you're doing the best that you can to follow him every single day of your life. to to that person, to the believer in the room. I just wanna ask you tonight, honestly, are you aiding the cover-up? Like you have a faith, but what are you doing with it? Like, are you being bold 
Are, are you opening your eyes to the fact that college is such a unique season in life and maybe these four or five years, however long you're in college for, maybe this is not just a time for you to come and have fun and go through the motions. Like maybe this is a unique opportunity for you to take the greatest message ever and extend it to some people who need it worse than ever. Like there are some people in your dorm rooms, in your apartment complexes, at your work, at your sororities, on your teams, in your classes, more people than you could think that don't know this news. They don't know that Jesus is alive. They don't know that there's hope for them. They don't know that there's a God that extends scandalous grace and scandalous worth and scandalous love towards them, but they need to know it. And so for the believer in the room, I'm just gonna ask you, because I'm gonna be honest, I don't wanna be a part of a community that just gathers here on Monday nights and we're like, oh yeah, this is a big Christian club. We come on Monday nights and then Tuesdays through, through Sundays, like we go back to our normal lives and that's it. If, if that's what we're about, then like I'm out. I'm the first person to say I'm out. I don't wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of a community that says, man, we gather together on Monday nights and like we celebrate and we love coming together and we're bringing people from all different walks. But then man, the real service begins, the real living room begins on Tuesday morning or on Monday night when we get home and we go and we take this message to the world and we tell people, man, your love, you have no idea the purpose that God has for your life. And we tell them, man, there's a God who, who right now, like he's chasing you down, come on. And yeah, bring them on Monday nights because this is an opportunity for us to tell them that. But Tuesday through Sunday is when you got to hit the ground running. So if tonight you say you believe this and you've put your faith and trust in this Jesus, then my challenge is on the table for you. Who else needs to know? Who else needs to come and be a part of a family like this? Who do you need to invite? Who have you given up on? And listen, I'm preaching to myself. Like right now, I could list out multiple people in my life that I've given up on. I'm the pastor. And so I need to hear this matter. Are you aiding the cover-up? Next, for the person in the room tonight that maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've never said, man, I'm a sinner in desperate need of a savior. You've never begun a relationship with him. In just a moment tonight, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And maybe you've been tracking along for the past few weeks with us throughout this series. Maybe you've been hearing about it from a friend. Maybe you've been just curious to know what, what is happening. And maybe tonight's the night where for the first time ever, you say, man, I, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I wanna put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I wanna begin a relationship with him because I want that love, scandalous love. So with every head bowed and eyes closed in the room right now, if you would, if that's you tonight, and for the first time you wanna place your faith and trust in Jesus, then I'm just gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And there's nothing special about this prayer. Like this prayer doesn't save you. All this prayer does is it kind of just affirms and solidifies what God is already doing in your heart. You don't have to pray this out loud. You can pray it silently. You can whisper it yourself, whatever you wanna do. But if that's you, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. 
that tonight I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in his death and resurrection. And I want to follow Jesus from this day forward for the rest of my life, the best that I possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to stand up where you are. And here's why. Because if this really is a family, then family celebrates with one another. Like family celebrates when big things happen. And there's nothing greater, no greater decision you could ever make in your life than to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if any of you did that tonight, it would be a miss if we didn't stop and lose our minds. Like I'm talking college football games, Saturdays, you know, lose our minds, that type of lose our minds. And so if there's anyone in the room tonight, that for the first time you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you just prayed that prayer in your heart, then I just wanna give you the opportunity right now and ask you, would you be bold enough to just stand up right where you are? I see you. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah, yeah, bro. Come on. Come on. Come on, I see you. Let's go, come on. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's amazing. Yeah, come on. We can do better than that. We can cheer louder than that. Come on. in your mighty name we pray tonight.